Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Cobes, welcome to Action City. Emmy. Hi. Hi. I'm just happy to be here. I'm always happy to be here. I know. This really is a fun job. I mean, if you can get this gig, you should get it. I mean, not sure. that we're making any money. <laughs> no, we don't make any money, but we love doing it. But we love doing it. One day, our plan is to make money one day. I would, that is the plan. I feel like we're we, working on it. We're working on it. I think slowly but surely we'll get just little steps. I've right? had some people reach out to me that I didn't think were listening that said they were they were listening that made me so happy. It, it, I mean, I don't know if I'm a, this is kind of breaking the fourth wall by talking about our listeners, right? Or no, that's, well, no. I don't know. But anyways, I looked at our listens. I hadn't. So I realized when I thought this was fun is because initially when we started, I would check our listens every week, like very, I'd be like, okay, how many do we have this time? I went and checked. I haven't checked in a while. We have like a lot. We've doubled them as many listeners per episode than we did. What? Three, yes. Three. For real? Mm-hmm. And I was guys, shocked. Listeners, thank you so much. I know. So thank Wait, you. That's, that's really happy. Makes me really happy. It made me really happy too, because I just haven't checked the numbers because I just, I don't know. It's, it's just well, it's been a little fun. bit like checking your kids' grades, right? I mean, I, I really only want to check the grades if I know they're going to be awesome. But if I just don't know, then I just don't check. Because maybe that's just going to ruin my day. See, I feel like... But now I'm going to start checking. I feel like it's the opposite for me, right? I feel like because I'm not putting the pressure by checking, it's make this more enjoyable. Oh, that's okay. So we're not I, you know stressed about the numbers. Yeah. We're just having fun. Well, and we also, I feel like, like if I was people. obsessing over the numbers, then this would feel much more like an actual job, right? And yeah. it's it's feeling more fun. So I'm not really checking the numbers. It's, it's more of a passion for us. Yes. hundred percent. Telling people's stories. And we, and we hope that comes through in the stories that we tell. I hope so. I think or that we help other people tell. We're not telling the stories. Yeah. But. Well, even our guest this week, Dr. Nanda, she didn't know about the podcast and I was explaining to her and I started listing off the guests we've had and she was very impressed. <gasps> she and was. It's hard to impress Dr. Nanda. So right. That makes and me happy. I was like, okay, I, I think we've had some great people. Yeah. And I think we have some great people coming up too. Yeah, we do. It's exciting. So. Well, well okay. Yeah. How was your week? My week was good. Well, my pit was bad. So end on a good note, start with the pit. I want to end on a good note. So I should start. Yeah. Start with my pit. pit. Yeah. So I'm so annoyed. I got, so my kids had a stomach bug that I got and I'm not going to go into the gory details, but let me tell you, Jeff had it easier by watching both children while I was being sick. Let's just say that. Yes. And Taking care of yourself when you have a stomach bug is not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I threw away a pair of my my favorite pair of pajamas were thrown in the trash because <sighs> of just stuff happening. So, well, what are your favorite pair of pajamas? They're my monkey pajamas. They're actually wait your mask. Oh, they're from um, uh, Roller Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I say Roberta Roller and then my kids make fun of me. Well, that's what it used, to be, it used to be. Roberta, Roberta Roller, Roller Rabbit. So, yeah. Now, Ro- it's, now Roller it's just Roller Rabbit. Yeah. Right? Which I always joke because my mom's name is Roberta that they didn't like the Roberta. So <laughs> they, they dropped like it. like the Roberta. Yeah. <laughs> which actually like sweetly for Mother's Day, she's getting me a new pair. Okay, good. So somebody's got sweet. that on their yeah, list. Yeah. But um, it was awful. It was, it was, I would not wish, wish it on my worst enemy. And then it's like. You know, I'm telling my friends 
And as a mom, you get no sympathy when you're sick. I've realized people are like, and even you, not to throw you under the bus, but you're like, having kids is not for the weak Emmy. And no, I'm like, it's really not. oh my God. I'm like, she's even telling me I'm weak right now as I'm like, no. I'm saying losing you, my body you, weight. You can do it. You're totally. Yeah. So that now was you've survived. Definitely my pit. I mean, well, this, you did. You texted me and you're like, I hope you don't get the stomach bug. Because well, well, I'd, I'd seen you. Yeah, the because kids. the day before, uh, well, so that, so we came into Gret on Monday to grab something from you. And that night, Huffman threw up all night long, which, oh, by the way, that was another pit is watching oh. your child, especially he's three. So he doesn't really understand. No. It was so sad. And but you're I, up all night. So then you're ex- exceptionally miserable. Exactly. We were up all night. Monday night. And then of course he can't go to school. And then Campbell <sighs> had it Tuesday day. I had it Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. So it was, I can't believe Jeff didn't get it. I know. I mean, this Lucky is just kind of, he didn't really get the upper respiratory thing that we all got. And you know who has it now? The upper respiratory thing is Casey. Oh no. I talked to her yesterday. She could not talk. Oh no. Oh, I feel so bad. And I, I, I really couldn't blame a, three nights of late night drinking on Casey because she didn't operate like that. So I, I knew it was a real deal. I was like, oh, Emmy must, Emmy had it too. Yeah. I and mean, she was like, I can't talk to you on the phone. I have to go. Oh no. I know. Ugh, it sucks getting sick. But yep. So my health, I guess I thought I've eaten so healthy. I've taken all my supplements, you know, all of the stuff. And I guess my immune system is not as rocking as I thought it no, was. But I think by taking all those things and really you're, you're, you it probably would have lasted four days longer if Maybe. you hadn't have done all those things, because I think your immune system is pretty great, especially since you I mean, it kids. better be now. Yeah. <laughs> like This week, it better be amazing. You should be feeling excellent this week. I mean, I feel very thin. Much lighter. Yeah, actually five pounds lighter. <laughs> so I'm just one stomach bug away from my goal weight, Emmy. Exactly. So that was my pit. But then my peak, I think, was Friday, the trunk show. So <sighs> Catherine... Gosh. Hired me on back to Greta, which guys, is kind this of this is like the happiest <laughs> I've been in so long. <laughs> well, so I used to work at Greta before I had kids on Saturdays. I was kind of the Saturday girl, which was great because they all they all all the people who work at Greta have children and they wanted to be with their families on the weekend. And it was just Jeff and I. And I was happy like Saturday to work from 10 to 5 and get my little retail bugs you know, and the Saturday and, people I love. There's those same people on Saturday. I love them. Yeah, exactly. The Saturday crowd's like the same. It's yeah. the same people. And so it was so fun. And so I hadn't worked at Greta officially in three years. Yeah, so, at least. At least. I mean, since, I mean, maybe yeah. it worked like right before Huffman was born. Maybe. But, but yeah, I was pregnant, I mm-hmm. think still working, which was fine. And then, yeah, so now I'm excited because I'm going to help her with her events and trunk shows and things like so that. So the events are going to get really good, you guys. I hope so. So we had our first one that I planned Pretty solely. Yeah, I didn't do it. I showed up. Yeah, which was, uh, it was, was it nice? Fabulous. Okay, yes. good. Oh but we had uh, Ivy Pierce. She's an interior designer in town and she has a company called India and Ivy. Wait. Yeah, I, India yeah, and Ivy. Yeah. That's right. And um, she has all these beautiful things from India. It's all hand blocked um, crib sheets and tablecloths and napkins and dresses. And it was so fun. It was it so was, fun to be working for a day again. Yeah. It would felt really good. It's good good to sort of have an opportunity to get your mind on something other than your children. It's sort of, it's like a vacation in a way going to work, I think. Yeah. Well, and it was fun to get dressed up and wear a cute outfit and talk to people all day and help Ivy and and be on my feet. Business owner. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, 
I miss because, you know, my whole background is retail. And and so I really do miss those days. But it's nice that I'll have one or two a month. You know what I mean? Like perfect. It's perfect. So I the trunk show was great. It was I thought it very successful. And I've used my tablecloths now three times. I've used all the napkins. My mother was like, where did you get these tablecloths? Oh, and then last night I had had some people for dinner. Where did you get these tablecloths? I mean, good. So I think it was fun too, because it was her first trunk show she's ever done with her new company. And we love to be the first and we love to show, introduce people to things that we think are wonderful. And honestly, I was excited to introduce you to something. And because I, I had been introduced to her through the scout guide, but from her interior design. Was she in the scout guide? She, when she worked for 30A. Oh, that's what it was. Cause mm-hmm. I knew that that's what. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was so fun. It was just fun. Cause like all these fun women came in yeah. and at four o'clock we all had a cocktail together while we kind of worked and, um, we got macaroons from OKC sweets. Holy oh, cow. They were really cow. good. They're in my freezer right now. If anyone's desperate. Yeah. Well, we're trying to, we're preserving I went, them. we're trying to preserve them. Cause I went over budget on my food budget, even <laughs> though I don't really have a food budget, but in my mind, I spent a little bit more. So we're, we're, we are freezing them for our trunk show. And you researched on the internet that yes. freezing macaroons is very easy. Oh, it says actually you should freeze macaroons essentially. Like if you're not going to eat them, they're And easily, they come out and they're, and they're Yeah. When so they we'll, come do out, te- we'll, we'll do a test. We'll do a test, test. on But Friday. then I'm excited because our second trunk show will be the day after this podcast comes out and we're doing a Mother's Day trunk show at Greta and we're actually doing the Dandy Liar, her jewelry oh, yes, line. Who was on Action City. Who she's been on our show in uh, her jewelry line called the Dandy Stone. So it's like a curated, some vintage some new her designs, some things she's found at estate sales and honestly around the country. Yeah. And then Adorn Planters will be there too. Um, so she's doing like these little Mother's Day planters. So plants, like I don't know if I'm explaining this. Yeah, well. like, like, little a little pots, like a little plant. potted plant. Um, so she'll be there too. And then also your sister Rosie will have some wine and we'll be doing some wine tasting in the afternoon. Oh, we always so, have to add some wine onto it. Yeah. So people should come I'm not away. drinking anything till well, that's not true. Sit th- till Thursday night. That's my that's Perfect. my goal. I only drink three nights a week. That's my Well, I've drank every single night since last Tuesday. Oh wow. That's a lot. And that's very unlike me. So I'm going to, I need a few three day break. So that's my little plug for our events, but it's going to be really fun. We're going to do all, yeah. So I'm excited for Mother's Day. My gosh. Yeah, I know. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there too. I'm going after this to go to BB's new store. Oh, that's exciting. Buzz by BB. Yeah. To... I get kind of a little sneak peek and I'm going to maybe try to pick out some Mother's Day gifts. She's opening Fun. on Thursday. Really? Uh-huh. That's exciting. She's yeah. going to come on the podcast after she's got her shop open. Oh my gosh. She is the best taste. It's really ridiculous. Yes. She's an interior designer as well. Why yes. all these interior designer women have just like, fab I'm telling taste. you, it, and they have fab taste. And if I was going to come back in my next life and have like the perfect job to have as a mom and a working woman, I think it would be interior design. Really? Because I, th- it's one of those jobs where you can ramp it up mm-hmm. as far as you want to take it. And then you can dial back a little bit based on the number yeah, of clients I guess with you the take store, on. You have to have where the door open, right? Yes. With the store, she's going to have to have the door open. But yeah, you know, she's, you know, she and her mom, Fanny Bolin Interiors, they've been, and you know, if she's really busy in her life with her son and she scales it back a little bit. I just think. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good balance right good balance yeah I could see that well so what was your pet and peak oh my gosh I mean 
there are so many I can't even, but I'm I cannot miss this peak. We're going to start with the peak. Yeah. On Tuesday morning, I got to go to New York oh, that's with duh. my sister-in-law and three friends. And really, I mean, they're her friends, but now they're my friends too. Because I mean, when you've been married for almost 17 years and yeah. you're close to your sister-in-law, then you become you friends, with her friends, friends with her friends and she's so generous and she shares her friends with me freely, which is, which is lovely. But so we went to New York. We, I had not been to New York since February of 2020. And usually I go at least three yeah. times a year. And it's, it, it is one of the things that gives me energy con- to continue on with my daily life. And it's really one of the reasons I started Greta so that I would have an excuse to go to New York that I didn't have to run past my husband. So <laughs> it's always for work. So, but we had a completely different kind of trip from the trip I'm normally used to. We went to look at art and I, I mean, usually when I'm there, I'll be there for eight days and I try to go to one museum, right? Because I'm working and whatever. So I try to so always go to one museum. Somebody on the trip buying art? Well, my sister-in-law is, she is in the process of sort of studying art. And yes, she uh, does. Okay. She does like, um, have a collection. And so she's also kind of studying it right now to sort of be able to really make good purchases and maybe be able to sell it one day. So, mm-hmm. so she... I mean, you guys, I can't, I'm I, like, it was pretty insane. We went to the Met, to the MoMA, to the Whitney. We went to Sotheby's, Christie's, the Phillips. We went to like five galleries. We went to a little kind of museum in Soho. I, I mean, I, I, we went with um, the sort of husband and wife team who were absolutely brilliant we fell in love with them and it was like you had your own college professor with you talking through like a 48 hour crash course in art history and sort of contemporary art history. And so cool. I mean, it, it was something that I'll probably never get to do again, but it was, it was invigorating. I mean, and now I sort of have a new perspective. I was at Whole Foods last night. I bought some art magazine. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to start reading about art. And we're, on cool. Saturday we're going to go see the Ed Ruscha exhibit at the contemporary, mm-hmm. which I have not seen yet. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I feel like, you know, my mom always took us to museums growing up. I yeah. mean, everywhere we went to a museum, it was excruciating. And now when I say the word museum to my kids, they throw a stinking fit, but I think it's a little bit like putting vegetables on your plate, right? right. It doesn't matter if you eat the vegetables one day, it will feel weird not to have the vegetables on your plate. Right. So I think I'm kind of maybe to that point where it would be, feel weird not to have sort of this type of culture in my life. And I think we have so many wonderful opportunities in Oklahoma city yeah, to see great art. And now that we have the Oklahoma contemporary is opened. I mean, my mom said she just had a really wonderful exhibit at the Cowboy hall of fame. Yeah. Cowboy halls about doing- some artifacts mm-hmm. that maybe came from Mississippi and were sort of buried in Oklahoma. So I want to go see that. So it really, yeah, I think it sort of lit a fire for me. So it was such a nice trip. I mean, I love all these girls. And of course, we had several fabulous meals <laughs> with lots of wine at all my favorite places. So that was really my peak. Well, I'm sad it's over. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, too, as a buyer of clothing, having this art influence might be fun. To yes. Kind of like the colors, mm-hmm. the shapes. I mean, and I think what it really reminded me was that clothing is just another form of art. I mean, totally. it's, it's a way to express yourself. I mean, the way that designers go about designing a collection is so similar to the way an artist goes about developing a painting or a sculpture. And it, I, it really is 
a, yeah. a form of creativity that, that I think is so important to, I mean, how I live my life, but I, so I just loved it. Well, and I think too, art and fashion parallel each other in the sense of like, you can be a collector and invest in Chanel or in the same way you can invest in certain artists, but you can also like find like the things that you have in Greta. It's like a lower price point, but it's still, you're still collecting right. from, you know, different designers from Copenhagen. And I'm sure it's kind of, you know, like art and fashion definitely parallel yes. each other. Yeah, in those they senses. play off each other for sure. Yeah. That's so cool. So what was your pit? I, uh, that I've gained five pounds. Oh. Mean, can, I, can that be my pit? Yeah, we have <laughs> I mean, opposite. Where our pits yeah, exactly. are the same, but I'm Emmys, down five pounds. I took and you're Emmys up. five pounds to me. But oh my god! You know what? It's totally worth it. I think that I did not. I did not hold back. I, you did not I wanted. Yeah, I really. And and so I'm. I. I feel reinvigorated. Good. And I'm, I'm looking excited. forward to my next trip to New York. Yeah. Can I go? Yes, of course. <laughs> I would love to have you. Actually, I actually haven't been to New York since a bachelorette party in like 2016. Really? Mm -hmm. I don't think when I started Greta, I don't, uh, or when I started it, when I bought it, I don't think I'd been to New York in, a in while. like five years probably. Yeah. And it was, it was, I was sort of frustrated and I was like, I have to, I have to be in a city. No, I don't want to live there full time by any means. I love living here, Yeah, but I just have to have, get up feel that energy. I mean, I went to work out both mornings. I sh was totally miserable, but that sort of getting up, going for a walk, it's quiet in Soho and the cobblestone streets, you hear the cars coming and you walk and get a coffee at your, you know, yeah, the same, got a coffee at the same place both days. And it's just, I pretended like I lived there. Then I came home. That's the nice thing about New York though, yeah. is it kind of feels like home for everybody. I mean, everybody yeah. has or not everybody, but you know, most people have some sort of experience there that is unique to them. And then they get to re kind of live it every time they go. Right. Just so exciting. I'm so excited about our next guest, Emmy. Yes. Our next right. guest is Dr. Samita Ananda, as we previously said. She is an OBGYN at Women's Preventive Health at Integris. After growing up in Michigan and going to undergrad and med school at the University of Michigan, she met her husband while training at Johns Hopkins, and they moved to Oklahoma City when her husband got a job here. Dr. Nanda has been practicing for over 25 years, and we loved asking her all of our burning medical questions from PCOS to how the pandemic has affected her patients. In this podcast, she really does dive into more than just typical OB issues. Dr. Nanda looks at her patients' lives as a whole and treats more than just their bodies, but their minds and spirits as well. Welcome Dr. Nanda at, to Action City. Hi, this is Catherine, one of the hosts of Action City. I have two loves, fashion and food. So far, I've only figured out how to make one of them a career. Owning Greta Sloan, Oklahoma City's premier fashion destination, has been the highlight of my 20-plus years in the industry. It's a place where people and creativity come together. My team and I do the hard work of curating designers from all over the world and then narrowing down the best of their creations to make the shopping experience one of discovery and fun. We want our clients to eye their treasures from Greta Sloan as the favorite pieces in their closets and the ones that bring them the most joy to wear. We'll see you at the shop in Nichols Hills Plaza off 63rd and Western or Check us out on Instagram at Greta Sloan, G-R-E-T-T-A-S-L-O-A-N-E. Samita, <laughs> Emmy and I are so happy to have you here. We've been 
having some burning questions we've wanted to ask you since we started the podcast. And we're we're so happy that you're in our chair. Yes. And in person. And we can't wait to get started. I'm excited to be here. Behind plexiglass, but still. Yes, plexiglass. But we try to be very safe. We're all vaccinated. I know. I just, you know. Just that want- is sort of an interesting question. Well, so I know, Doctor we Nanda, have a we've doctor already, in yeah, our chair. Exactly, this is gonna, could go on so, forever the way we. Well, get. and when co- so, I'll just give a little disclaimer. Doctor Nanda has delivered both of my children, and you've been my OB for six years. Yeah, I guess when I moved back to Oklahoma City, um, and I have PCOS, so I saw her for that. I have anxiety. She has walked me through many of those problems. But I remember when COVID first started, I remember texting you. Actually, no, I was in your office. And I remember asking you about, you know, if we should be scared. And I remember you're like, well, I'm canceling my trip to Europe, wasn't it? Or, oh, no, no, you're, you're, uh, the other doctor in your practice was canceling their trip to Europe. Uh-huh. And I remember being like, okay, well, that's like kind of a big deal. And then here we are. <laughs> and here we are. It's been a year. It's been quite a year, hasn't it? It has been the craziest year. Well, it's probably changed the way that you deliver care. I mean, and you still deliver the same quality of care, but you have different ways you can deliver care now that we do. Um, it really launched for us and really for a lot of practices into virtual care. We're doing a lot of telehealth and in some ways that's been amazing because it's very efficient, both for the patient and for the doctor. You set up a time, you can be at work, you can be in your car. Um, and we can communicate. And sometimes it's actually more effective because uh, maybe you don't have a child with you at the time, or you can look in your drug box and say, oh yeah, that medicine I'm talking about is this. I couldn't remember the name of it. So some parts of that have been great. And I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to stick. Of course, there are times when you just really need to see each other in person as well. Yeah, I could imagine. Well, so we usually start at the beginning. Where are you from originally? I uh, grew up in Michigan, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And actually, I was born in India, but my parents moved when I was six weeks old. So I'm not sure if it counts. That Um, does count. I think it counts. um, And I grew up in Grand Rapids and I went to school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, University of Michigan for undergraduate and for medical school. So that was my first home, really. Were your parents doctors, too? No, my... uh, father's an engineer and my mom's um, an MBA, though she didn't work for a lot of my growing up. Um, But my siblings are all doctors. How did they do that? How did they get everyone to be a doctor? I I wish I had brainwashing. (laughs) Brainwashing. What were your options growing up? I mean, did they say you're going to be a doctor or was it you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant? Like what's the... I think... um, So my parents are first generation immigrants and the first generation immigrants that came maybe from all over the world want their children to be successful in a really narrow um, idea of what success is. They want it to be safe. So um, medicine was something that uh, they all understood and they knew you would have a job and you could help people and that was good also. And so in the first generation Indian community, there's a a big push 
so that if you showed any interest, you were five years old and you said, oh, look at this cool heart. They're like, oh, you could be a doctor. (laughs) Oh, uh, oh, I think I want to be a truck driver, but you could be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should have taken that path. Be a doctor. But you could be a doctor. Yeah. Oh, well, I think you're a little late. I'm a little late. It's a little late for me. Well, so was there a large Indian community in Michigan? Wait, not in Ann Arbor. Where'd you? In in Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. No, Grand Rapids is um, kind of similar to how Oklahoma Oklahoma City City was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, It's got a a pretty conservative Dutch um, Christian community. It was a nice place to grow up, though. and uh, there were not that many Indians, but there was a small community and they kind of knew, all knew each other. Yeah. Do your parents still live there? No. No, my parents live in Ann Arbor. They moved to be closer to my sister and brother. And so my whole family lives in Ann Arbor, which is a great place. Yeah. Do you, do you feel left out that they didn't move to Oklahoma City? Or? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> That's so funny. My cousin went to Michigan and I remember we went and visited him when he was in college and I thought it was the coolest place. It's a fun place. It's yeah. a good place. Well, they had school. Urban Outfitters. Yes. Oh, so it was cool. It was so cool. And there were people doing yoga. I mean, it was kind of a typical college campus, like, but in the nineties. So you saw people playing hacky sack and the quad. Mm. And we went in the fall, which was really pretty because Oklahoma really, I mean, we have a little fall where the leaves change, but there the fall is beautiful. It is. It's um, gorgeous. And it was really, I don't know. I just remember thinking like, it was just so cool. And I couldn't believe that that was somewhere you could live. <laughs> And then you went in January. Yeah, no, we actually, that was the only time we went. So. <laughs> Enshrined in her mind. Or something. Yes. yes. And you didn't see anybody outside. No, exactly. But um, so how did you get to Oklahoma City? I got married. Oh, okay. oh me too. So. Well, I started out here, but then I got married and here I am. My husband grew up in Norman and went away for school and we uh, met in Baltimore. We were both training at Johns Hopkins and um, then he got a job here at Dean McGee and he came to be on faculty and initially I actually didn't come. I was like, what? You said I'm a strong modern woman and I'm not following a man around. I am not coming. And I was like, where is Oklahoma City? Um, But I came after a year and actually I finished my residency in Tulsa because that's where a spot was open. And we commuted long distance, um, first from Baltimore and then from Tulsa. So were you married before he came to Dean McGee? Or no, mm-hmm. we got married. He came to D. McGee for a year. I stayed in Baltimore and then that just became sort of untenable and yeah, really old. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yes, that would yeah. not be a fun first year. Oh, first year oh, I do just, love Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore's I think it's a fun. really cool city. It is. And we had fun, you know, on the weekends we were there, but I think he was not very happy being this young faculty all by himself. He was living in his parents' house. He was like, why am I married? Why Why does my wife live 1,500 miles I always laugh when I think about your husband because my first OB appointment that Jeff was going to come to when I was pregnant with Huffman, I told him Dr. Nanda, which your husband is also Dr. Nanda, and his name is Sumit and you're Sumita. Mm -hmm. So- he went to your husband's office. No. Uh-huh. And he was like, there are just a bunch of like kind of old men in the waiting room. He was like, I just didn't 
he was so confused. <laughs> and it happens not in I was going to say, if that happened before that. Well, I mean, men don't know. Men anyway, don't do so. so much research. They kind of go surface level and then, you know. Thankfully, it was in the same hospital. So he was right. able to go. just go on yes. a different floor. Well, so what were your first thoughts coming to Oklahoma City? What did you kind of think of the city? I mean, what year was this? This was 1993 or four. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's a long time ago in Oklahoma City and I didn't know anything about it. I had never been here. It really wasn't on my radar. And when we moved, when I compare it to now, I think about downtown and the fact that there was only Spaghetti Warehouse. <laughs> I thought that was like the coolest thing that Spaghetti Warehouse opened. And there really wasn't that much else. Uh, so Oklahoma City has changed for the better. For the better. For And it's really has a lot to offer now. But when I got here, it was still pretty limited. Yeah. Did you open up your own practice? Oh, no, you finished your residency in Tulsa. I finished my residency in Tulsa, and then I joined the Oklahoma City Clinic, and it used to be down at Presbyterian, Mm -hmm. and I worked there for a year, and then I joined um, Royce Everett, who is retired. I I swam on the swim team. With his son. So okay, yeah, I've right, known yeah. him for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course he did. <laughs> of course it did. It all comes back to swimming. But yes, Josh, his son was on our swim exactly. team. Exactly. So I joined he and Linda Truitt and we were there for a year. And then Linda and I decided to go on our own. I think that's 99 now. And we've um, had a private practice since then. Linda retired. I had a partner, Karen Gold. She's now the chairperson at Tulsa, um, the OBGYN program. And, uh, I have a wonderful partner, Huda Maroof, and I've been really lucky with that. I've had people who I think are just good doctors and, um, easy to be partners with, which isn't always true. Yeah. As an OBGYN, is it almost imperative that you have a partner because of babies come anytime, any place, any day, or... You can survive without having a partner if you have good call coverage, but I think that uh, it makes it much nicer. It's nice to have someone to support you, to help each other, and to bounce ideas off. I think it's a much richer practice if you have someone else there, um, both for yourself and really for patients as well. It feels safe to say, okay, I'm not going to be here and this person will take care of you and you know that you can count on them 100%. Yeah, I could see that. I, I did. My second child, my doctor didn't deliver her so because it was not her. She wasn't on call. And I think, I can't remember who delivered her, but whoever it was, I'd never met before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to have someone where you can say, and you've seen... Yeah, so you and so, right. so and so. Yeah, that's true. Feel a little bit more secure because you're scared the first time when, uh, especially yeah. when you have a baby. <laughs> She's looking at me because I was terrified. I mean, I think I, mean, I, I was mean, terrified. Yeah, I think it's it's something nobody could ever ex- explain to prepare you for, right? I mean, it's such a and each experience is so different. Actually, I. On Friday, we had a trunk show at Greta and I saw somebody who's having their first baby. And I was like, I'm not even going to tell you my labor story because there's no point. Mm -hmm. Everybody's is different. Um, 
and I don't want to scare you. <laughs> like I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to scare you. Yeah. And saying that you've just scared me. <laughs> no, seriously. Well, I did. I was just like, you know, it, you're, it'll be your experience. Although she was like, yeah, I'm being induced. And I was like, are they doing side attack? And she's like, yeah, they give me a pill. And I was like, oh, honey, that pill is not going down your throat. <laughs> oh, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going the other way. Yes. Yeah, so I think stuff like that, you know, but when it's your first, you can say stuff like that. They're giving me a pill and not know necessarily. And that's okay. The ignorance is a little bit of bliss until you're right. in the situation. At least in my experience, it was nice, but. I think that's true. I think that um, people want to plan out everything yes. and feel like they have control, but the delivery and the experience is the first step of raising children where you recognize that you don't have as much control as you think. And you need people around you to support you and you need safety, but you can't predict it. Yeah. And I felt like with Huffman, I mean, you knew I wanted to have a vaginal birth fairly badly because I thought in my head, I thought that's the natural way it's supposed to happen. And, you know, I ended up with a C-section, but I think that you did a good job in saying, I know that this is your plan. And I use air quotes as plan mm -hmm. because, you know, like you're saying, you don't have control and you can have a plan, but it can go awry. And then when it was time to pivot, you really helped me make that decision. Like, this needs to happen. You know, we're kind of getting in. I mean, I was in labor for what, 33 hours. It was yeah, a, long, a time. long time. That's a long um, time. So it was, I mean, but then it ended up being, you know, I had him and he was this huge, I mean, I'll never forget when you held him up. I mean, he was this like ball. <laughs> You're like, this like, is what chub. I don't, I don't remember babies looking like this. <laughs> no, he was, I mean, he was nine, three. He was this big, just like chunky thing and you know newborns sometimes can be kind of skinny and he was not <laughs> which was made sense why I ended up with a c-section why you had a c-section yeah but and I don't know it was okay, a good experience so, so I have a so when you went into private practice was the mix of sort of male OBGYNs and female OBGYNs different from the mix now I mean because I can remember I, I mean I think when I started going to gynecologist when I was 16 or 17 years old, I don't think there were that many options to go to women. Really? I, yeah. I, I don't, I think that's changed. I mean, is that in my head? No, it's changed immensely. So in medical schools now, they're first of all, 50% women, 50% men, which is a big change Just across the board, across school. the board nationally, Wow, um, which is about time. Yes. And, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, OB, when I started, like at the Oklahoma City Clinic, I had wonderful partners. They were all male. Um, and of that generation, maybe 10 years older than me, I'm in my 50s. So um, they were predominantly men. There were some women, but probably two thirds men, one third women. And now it's probably flipped that in OBGYN residencies, they're 70, 80 percent women and 20 percent men. Oh, interesting. I just like, I don't like a male masseuse. I couldn't imagine having a male OBGYN. I don't know. In my mind, I like, I would prefer a woman. I think that the inclination now is that if you're just picking, uh, you'll pick a woman. Now, having said that, some of the men are great OBGYNs. Right. And, well, that's, and yeah. They do a good job. And, but if you're a 15 year old girl, yeah, or right. You're a exactly. fifty-year-old woman, you just maybe have a natural connection, and it's a little bit easier to talk to someone, or you know, unless you 
meet them once in a different situation. Yeah. Well, and okay. So speaking of 15 year olds, we were talking about this kind of before we started recording a little bit, but sort of when you have daughters, like, I mean, Campbell's only one. So, but Catherine's daughters are now teenagers. 15 and 13. Um, what age should women start going to the OB? Are there specific things that like those first appointments that you need to talk about? Like kind of what, what is like the beginning stages? I mean, cause obviously then you go to the OB for the rest of your life as a woman. Um, kind of, how do you start that? We, um, try to work, work with mothers, uh, Pediatricians typically take care of children till they're 18 and they tend to send um, girls who are younger if they have problems with their periods, if they become sexually active, if they're having issues that are gynecologic. And then I tell parents that they need to send their kids before college or before they think they're going to be sexually active because we want to build a little rapport with them. We want another adult maybe telling you, telling them things that you're also telling them. Um, Sometimes we don't tend to do an exam like a pelvic exam at that age unless there's a medical reason to do that. But we... um, Sometimes we talk about periods. Sometimes we talk about um, just self-worth, how to say no to a boy. It's okay to, um, you know, set limits uh, um, in your relationships, um, even other things. Just what are your plans for school? What are you imagining you're going to do with your life? It's just one more adult in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good for kids in general. We're all stressed as moms and anyone who's willing to help us, I'll take, you know, (laughs) that can be your pediatrician. It can be your OB. It can be lots of different people in your life. But I think it's one more place where um, girls will be more honest. um, And we tell them, even if their mom is our patient, you know, yeah, patient this confidentiality. Is, this patient confidentiality. We're not going to share this information. This is how you can contact us separately from your parent. Um, and it just gives one more adult. Um, you don't technically need a pelvic exam if you're not sexually active till you're 21. That's a change that the American College of OBGYN has recommended. But what we, did it used to be? We used to used to get pap smears around 18. Okay. If you remember, probably when you were a kid, we used to go for your first exam around then. Um, and then obviously, if they're sexually active, there's things you need to check for as far as STDs and other issues. So I think it's just important. It depends on the child a little bit, but definitely by 18, I think they need to have seen an OBGYN. So I sort of, I mean, I, I was thinking back about the first time I ever went to the OBGYN and it was really sort of under duress, yeah. you know, it was like, you're going to the OBGYN. I mean, I was, you know, sexually active and my parents didn't like that. And mm-hmm. it was, this is, you know, being sort of shoved down your throat. So I do think this whole idea of sort of getting in front of it and making it of like, this is a life, like which what we were sort of discussing, we'll discuss later. Is this a lifelong relationship with someone that has your best interest at heart and just kind of setting it up as a positive thing, I think is so important. And not so intimidating because then they're scared that, oh, I'm going to have this exam that I don't know anything about. And if that first visit is not that exam, I think that helps a lot. That helps. Yeah. Well, and I just think about like friends, there was this comedian where she was like, 
ask your husbands what the different size tampons mean, like the S <laughs> and all the what things. Oh, it was Hilarious. like small, round and long or something. <laughs> and um, it was really funny. But then I was like, we were joking about it. And then she was like, how many holes do women have? And I had girlfriends who did not know the correct number. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hello, people. And, you know, and I've heard and I have a couple of friends who are nurses and they're like, oh, yeah, like they didn't know about their urethra until we had to give them a catheter when they're having a baby. And I was like, you're kidding. You know right. what I mean? So I feel like knowledge of that area in general <laughs> is a good a idea. Good, yeah. That's a good idea. Especially for somebody before they go to college. I mean, yeah, we're sitting at 31 at a dinner party and <laughs> oh, some goodness. people today. I won't know. ask for names. No, it was pretty <laughs> funny, but it was just also like, yeah, I think all of that stuff is important. And talking to friends about birth control methods. I mean, in college, I was like, you realize that you're having unprotected sex were some of my friends and they're like, no, 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 I'm pulling out or whatever. I mean, I'm sorry on the podcast, but do we have to bleep that out? Like what's, is I don't like know, maybe, bad word? but, um, <laughs> they thought that that was birth control and I'm For like, really? yes, your age. Well, now they're my, but this but was I when mean, we were, like when you were in college, yeah. they thought that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, no, you're having unprotected sex then. You know what I mean? And these are people who should know better, should know better, who are not. Yeah. To, to, who 100% should know better. So I think all of those conversations. So I think, but, so I think there's that point. The sooner you start the conversation with yes. a trusted adult, maybe that isn't necessarily your mom. Exactly. Is really smart. Yeah. And I don't totally understand that that conversation. I mean, my mom, for some reason, she didn't make it weird. I don't know how. I think that's one of her superpowers. But um uh, yeah, I think that most women probably have trouble talking to their daughters about this or having their trouble with their daughters listening. I think listening to, you know, lots of time there's a point when you have a 15 or a 16 year old and it's kind of adversarial. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't think you know anything. They don't really want to hear anything from you. And and when they're 11 and they still like you, it's too early to talk about it sometimes. And right. So, that's true. Um, it's hard to find that. Fine line. How did you, I mean, you have three children. They're, well, one's a junior in high school, but the other two are grown and out of college and in medical school. How did you balance having a full-time, really demanding career and having three children who have all turned out to be wonderful? I mean, mm. was it? Well, I think I had a lot of help. Uh, my in-laws live nearby and I definitely remember some early years of knocking on the door, handing them a child saying her diaper's wet and I'm going to a delivery. And um, I had a wonderful babysitter who um, was there a lot and we kind of raised our children together. Her children came and to my house and they were a little bit older than my children. They kind of all grew up together. It is hard as a working mom to juggle everything. And I really um, do not envy the single moms who have to do this. It's hard. You see that when they come in and they're trying to feed their children something other than chicken nuggets and um, balance their lives. And um, so in some ways, uh, it was crazy and hectic. I have a really supportive husband, too, and he definitely pulls his share of the work. And that helped a lot. Yeah, it really did. 
I think that's helpful in general. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, so through the pandemic, what have kind of you seen as far as have there been any new sort of medical issues that have come through your practice? Have there been anything like relieved? I know in pediatrics, my doctor said that, you know, all of these random illnesses were kind of on the decline because of everybody wearing masks and things like that. But I know in OB, that's probably not the case. So, so I think that's true that the flu numbers were a lot lower than they've been and that masks and limited contact were directly related to that. So that was a change that maybe we're all going to take with us is that if you're sick with the flu, maybe you shouldn't come to work or maybe it'd be okay to wear a mask on that day um, later on when we're all done with COVID. Um, We saw a lot of people um, not do their regular checkups because they were fearful of coming into the hospital. Um, And Interestingly, a lot of people were afraid that the hospital was worse, but even though we're like a clinic separate from the hospital, they thought they were entering like a COVID zone or something, which wasn't true. Um, So we are trying to do some catch up and say, hey, we haven't seen you. Did you know you're supposed to have a mammogram? Do you know that you're due for your pap? Um, Have you done your routine colon screening? All those kind of checkup kind of things that need to happen. Uh, the other thing that we're seeing a lot of is anxiety. Um, we saw a lot through the pandemic and then some still coming out of it is that people have been home and humans need social touch and contact. And so many people haven't had that. I think we've been luckier in Oklahoma, um, because we haven't been as, um, clamped down as the rest of the country, but, it's still, there are people who are scared. There are people who are lonely. Their underlying anxiety has shown up or they didn't have it before. And that surprised me a little bit. Some people who you've known for a long time and I didn't think of as anxious people and just watching the news, watching politics, just the combination of everything has gotten to them. They've like used up all their good serotonin and they don't have anything left. Yeah. So what do you do in that case when someone comes to your office and they're really having anxiety? How do you direct them to resources? How could, how do you help? So I think we try to listen. And I think that surprisingly that does a lot of good for people. We try to redirect their thoughts a little bit, um, turn off the news, um, Don't listen to those things that are stressing you out. Have you been outside? Have you seen sunlight? Um, Have you taken any vitamins or eaten any nutritious food? All of that thing, all those things tend to play a part in it. We have a list of um, anxiety resources. A lot of them are on um, apps these days, Headspace and Calm and Breathe Right and even All of that doesn't work for everyone, but it works for some people. And then we make referrals to therapists. I mean, I personally think that it doesn't hurt anyone to talk to a therapist. If we could all find a good one, we would enjoy talking to them if it was affordable. There's issues in your life or in your marriage that it feels good to talk to someone who has a little bit different perspective. I mean, girlfriends are part of that for people, but sometimes you just need an outside source to say, whoa, does that thought really make sense 
And yeah. sometimes I feel like with girlfriends, it kind of fuels the fire. It can, you know, it can kind yeah, you of, get the, you know, everybody yeah, gets get riled up, up and their yeah. problems come into it. And then you find yourself sometimes feeling worse, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little more overwhelmed. Well, and that's what you did for me with my second C-section, because during my first C-section, I had a panic attack, which was not fun because I didn't, you're awake during surgery. Mm-hmm. I never had major surgery before. It was just a and I'd been in labor for a long time. I was super tired. I mean, it was a, it was the perfect storm of just setting myself up for a major panic attack. So for my second C-section, I asked Dr. Nanda, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm having some pre-anxiety like for <laughs> the C-section. And she's gave me the therapist name who I love. And I've still gone to her because she's just wonderful. And it was great. I mean, I was able to calmly go through my second C-section Um, and actually enjoy the experience as, you know, as much as one can, but yeah, I like cried when she was born and, you know, I had all the good emotions and things like that. So I feel like, yeah, your office definitely. And even before when I had children, when I told you I was anxious, you had me do that workbook that I loved. The anxiety and phobia workbook. Uh Yeah. I've recommended it to a lot of people. I think that everyone would like or ha- to have time to go to a therapist or to be able to afford it. But depending on healthcare coverage, it's not always feasible. And so we try to, people are busy, um, but there are really some very simple things. You need to go outside. You need to see the sun. You need to exercise. You have to have some nutrition. And even those are, these are all the things that your mother probably tells you. <laughs> You're definitely um, not listening to your mother. Yeah. Um, there is value in that turning off the TV or getting away from the source that is uh, feeding your frenzy. Can I leave my children? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. Leave them with your husband. <laughs> sorry, that's probably a bad choice. Um, and I think uh, breathing, yoga breathing. I taught, you know, a class where they really talk to you. I mean, I practice that with people who are just, if you take a deep breath in and you hold that breath and you blow it out really slowly, your heart rate actually slows. You start to think, okay, I have a little more control here. Wait a minute. Am I breathing? Because part of a panic attack is usually that you feel like you're, you can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Well, wait, I am breathing. (laughs) That's what during my first C-section, I was like, Dr. Nanda, I can't breathe. She was, Amy, you're talking, you're breathing. breathing. And I was like, okay. Well, I think that might be one of this. I know we want to have a, maybe put a positive spin on the pandemic, but talking to people over Zoom and having sort of, maybe we were talking about telehealth appointments, that maybe access to therapy might increase. And I know I've seen a lot of ads of sort of therapists that you can talk to on an app or over the internet. And that's just seems so normal now. I think the first time I had a zoom call or a FaceTime call with my therapist, it seems sort of weird, but now, I mean, after six months of doing it, it was completely normal. Mm -hmm. And And I think that reduce the cost. Yes. I think there's a ton of, um, things coming to market for that. There's some apps even Mm -hmm. where your therapist will text with you. And for this next generation, I think some of that is appealing. Now, some patients have complained that they can't find the connection. So I think in a perfect world, you would see that person once or twice and build rapport. And then it's lovely to say, okay, I have this hour at this time and I'm going to go 
hide in my closet and talk to you and hide from my children <laughs> and tell you. Don't you wait. And when I was watching the Today Show during the pandemic and you'd see Hoda and Jenna and they were literally recording from their closets and you'd see like all their clothes hanging behind them. I mean, I think that was the only quiet place they had in their houses. So funny. Yeah. Well, so speaking of COVID, let's talk the vaccine. So I think that there's been, and I told you, I saw some internet stuff about infertility and the vaccine and kind of what can you say about that? And, you know, kind of what are your thoughts? And I think really specifically related to fertility as well. Mm -hmm. So there was a um, Facebook myth that was put out there by some pseudoscientists that there were fertility risks from the vaccine. And that data has really not been proven. They have looked at fertility. It doesn't make any logical scientific sense that a vaccine should affect your fertility. We're now giving the vaccine to pregnant patients. And I'd been hesitant about that, quite frankly, because yeah. you don't want to be the first person out there to give it and then find, oh, my God, something had happened. I've um, I have two girls who haven't had children and I hope to be a grandma someday. And they've both had the vaccine. Um, and... I try not to push people. I tell them, look, I believe in the vaccine. My office staff is vaccinated. My family is vaccinated. I believe it will save your life. And I encourage people to get the vaccine. I try to educate them if they have misperceptions. It does not affect your fertility. Um, And I try to leave the door open. I don't think there's a point in shaming people. I don't think there's a point in getting into a huge argument. Um, People have to come to the decision on their own, but they do need good information. And the good information is now that they've given a hundred million people in the United States and many more in the world, the vaccine that those people have done well that we have the Pfizer, the Moderna, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that with Pfizer and Moderna, the data is excellent. With Johnson & Johnson, it's approved by the FDA. In a few women, very few women, there were some clots. And since the vaccines are plentiful, I vote for Pfizer and Moderna though nationally it's okay to get a Johnson and Johnson vaccine. If you just want to get one, you're probably going to be just fine. Um, But vaccines do save lives. And if you look at India right now, Mm -hmm. they're in a second wave and it is a nightmare. Yeah. And we don't want to go back there. So we still do need to be careful. So if you're on the fence, yes, I encourage a vaccine. Okay. And that's it. I'm, I didn't ask that question to shame anybody who's decided not to. I just wanted to hear from the doctor about, yeah. you know, some of the things that I had heard personally as somebody who possibly wants another baby and things like that. So I have a question about like my own health <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast, on the, on podcast. the podcast. For well, everyone so to hear. I've been very yeah open about the fact that I have PCOS. Is that hereditary? What is PCOS? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, right. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is, seems to be more prevalent these days right. and it's not inheritable. It's a, what happens in your body is your ovaries normally make cysts and then one becomes bigger. You ovulate, release the egg. And then two weeks later you have a period. That's a normal cycle. In polycystic ovaries, your ovaries make a bunch of little cysts 
And those cysts are what make your hormones. Um, and sometimes you don't ovulate, so you don't really see egg. And then that cycle is messed up. So sometimes your period comes early. Sometimes your period comes late. Sometimes it doesn't come at all. And along with that, there are some typical um, things that happen. Typically, people have a, are, tend to be overweight, though not every single person with polycystic ovaries is overweight. Uh, they are often pre-diabetic. And so their body, I tell them, I eat a donut and you eat a donut. The more of the donut sticks with you than with me. Um, and uh, sometimes they get hair growth and there's some other side effects, abnormal hair growth. Um, but it's how many, it's like one in three women now, right? Or something. Is it it's, environmental? What's, I think that, so. It's a, a negative feedback loop as we eat the wrong foods mm. and we gain weight. Sometimes it pushes us more into polycystic ovaries. Well, and I think that's what happened to me. I think I got to college and, you know, drank beer and ate pizza and I gained 30 pounds in college. And I think it threw me into PCOS. Yeah. So I think that's what's happening now because it didn't make sense to me. I was like, wait a minute, we see more and more of this. Why would you see more and more of something? Mm -hmm. But I think it's partly that we're eating the wrong foods and then we're gaining weight. And then your body is saying, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to become even more messed up. Right. Well, and I, as I've lost weight, my symptoms have gone way Which is away. what we tell people, but it's yeah. not always so easy to do. Right. Well, and, you know, I think that I can tell if I eat gluten and certain carbs, it I get cystic acne mm -hmm. and I can feel, I mean, it happens. So I feel like as a, I mean, for myself, I can kind of tell when my symptoms are worse or better or things like that. Um, and it's not fun. I mean, no. it's kind of painful. So, um, but I was just curious if it was hereditary. Typically not hereditary though, though, maybe I think it really has to do with, um, more lifestyle, more stuff. lifestyle issues, which may be hereditary because you grew up in the same family. Yes, well, that's yeah, true. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. It's something that a lot of women my age, I think, are dealing with. Right. I think so. I think that I think that as a society, we've gotten used to too much food. Mm -hmm. When you go out to eat at a restaurant, we know that the serving is not a serving that you would serve yourself at home. Uh, if you ever do Weight Watchers, they say, oh, a deck of cards is the size of meat that you should eat. And most people's portion isn't that. There's a lot of bread, pasta, sweets. You go to any restaurant and you see the dessert. That's not a single person's dessert ever. Right. Really, your whole family should be able to eat <laughs> off one dessert. And, um, but then we get used to it. And then you're like, oh, I'm hungry or that looks good. I didn't mean to eat that much, but I'm going to. And um, people sit at their jobs. Some of it is not their fault. If you're answering the phone in my office, there's not a lot of opportunity for you to get up and move around. Right. I need you at the phone or I, you near, you're attached to your computer. And then you're tired because you've put in an eight hour day, but you haven't moved very much. And People need to figure out a way to be active, but that requires early in the morning or after work or late at night. And maybe you're a single mom. Yeah. As we were talking about earlier, right. and it and all piles. It's really, really hard. Now, mm -hmm. there are ways to do it. We try to encourage people 10 minutes after you eat, you could go exercise. You could dance with your kids. And if you have little children and, you know, you could get 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there. If you can't imagine going to the gym or going out for an hour and doing that. But 
if you don't do anything and you put on a step monitor, as far as you've put in your eight days of work, you've been on the computer all day, you're tired, you came home, you cooked dinner and took care of your kids. Your steps, though, might only be 2,000 steps. Well, that's not enough movement to justify, even if you ate really well. Right. Like, that's one of the saddest things is that if you're not a tall person, you're 5'4", and your resting metabolic rate is like 1100 calories. So unless you're exercising and moving with that, you don't get to eat very much mm-hmm. or you're going to put on weight. I'm eating my arm off at 1100 calories. Well, right. Yeah. I, I mean, no, I'm like, I don't think that's uh, so mean and, gr- and then I'm mean and grumpy. And so it's really not, you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe the walking desk. I have some friends yes. who've done that, that you kind of raise your desk and there's like a little treadmill underneath it and you kind mm-hmm. of, it sounds dangerous, but. Well, and apparently have like they a, have this thing where you can even sit and do it. And I, so it's oh, just really? the wheel, which is a really good idea because maybe you're. Maybe you're not that good. coordinated. <laughs> yeah. When I worked at Neiman's, I had this like thing. It was like a cycling, like a, like a little bike. But it was just it was under like my the, desk. Under so your, you could sit and do? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Oh, so someone told idea. me about that too. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Is that <laughs> I got it for my wedding. <laughs> oh, so, stop. From whom? Tell me the person. You know who it was. No. My mom. Oh, I thought it was going to be your mother-in-law. No. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. No, no. Which, I mean, my mom has always encouraged us to stay active, which I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing. I think as a mom, though, it's so hard to skirt the line between being supportive and being judgmental, right? It's, it's like really hard. And so hard it to doesn't matter how judgmental really you're not. I think sometimes your daughter will perceive you as oh, that. Oh, so. if I hear one more time. You're I'm body shaming. I'm bo- oh, I'm body yeah. shaming and bullying my kids when I'm like, maybe the third bowl of ice cream is, you know, could be skipped. You know, it's like no matter what you say, they think you're. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why you need well, an so intermediary. That's why you need an intermediary. Are there, I know there are a lot of fad diets right now. Um, are there any that you think are like harmful for fertility in women that you've seen women doing? Not eating? I would call that harmful. I don't know. I just wonder sometimes with keto, since it's like they're still having cream and stuff like that. Like if So it's not so much for fertility that I would say. And for a short week or two for keto might be fine. But the saturated fat, like coconut yeah. oil and all those things that you add in those keto diets or, or just that, oh, I had bacon six times in the keto diet. That's not good for your heart long term. Right. So if you are doing anything for a week, two or three, it's OK. I mean, I totally believe in moderation. Mm-hmm. And but the truth is um, everyone needs a jump start. And it's okay, whatever that is, intermittent fasting, um, you know, not eating, not eating doesn't work, but eating a lot less or a keto diet to start. But ultimately, you have to live in the real world. So you people make a mistake of saying, I'm on a diet and then I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I'm going to start my diet on Monday. So this weekend I'm going to eat whatever I want. Yeah. Well, great. You gained five pounds this weekend so that you could lose those five pounds. That doesn't make any sense at all. Right. It's better to say, okay, I'm going to eat a little less bread. I'm going to eat um, some more fruits and vegetables. I usually eat this breakfast that has too many calories. I, I'm not going to add the honey to my oatmeal or I'm not going to put so much brown sugar in it or uh, little consistent changes. I really try to start with people with, are you drinking your calories? A lot of people drink a huge amount of soda and 
if they, if you've seen the ads with the cans of Coke, they're 15 teaspoons of sugar. Oh my gosh. Are they really? That basically fills up half the can. (laughs) And so imagine if I poured 15 teaspoons of sugar in your hand, you wouldn't eat it. You'd be sick. Oh my gosh. I haven't had a soda though in like. That is one thing that I never really liked. I mean, I like all foods, all junk foods, everything. I've never liked soda. So that helps a lot. But think if you drink six cans of Coke a day or a 32 ounce, you know, they think, oh, I just have one. But I went to uh, 7-Eleven and got the huge, got the huge big gulp and it's regular soda um, or Starbucks drinks sometimes. A venti with all the um, cream and whipped cream and caramel and this. It's delicious. But. That was your calories for the day. And so unfortunately, you really just can't do that. Yeah. And as you get older, I mean, I have noticed, I mean, I'm older than Emmy, but it does. I mean, (laughs) it all slows down. down. I mean, I've been fairly lucky in my life to probably have done enough exercise and, you know, to enjoy eating a lot, but it's, it is changing and I never thought it would get there. Oh, wait till you get to be my age. <laughs> oh, Samita, don't tell me. Because I mean, eating, as we all know, is my favorite pastime. Mine too. <laughs> Mine too, I actually. love food. <laughs> Maybe shopping, but eating is right there with right it. Right there with it. I know. Well, so, okay. So first final question is kind of, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see your practice in 10 years? And then kind of Oklahoma City in general. Now that you're a full Oklahoman. Yes. I mean, I know right. you probably never thought you would say that growing up. But, but I do think of myself as that now. So 10 years from now. I would love to see. Uh, I imagine a practice where I'm still practicing. um obstetrics and gynecology, probably not that much OB 10 years from now, but I love the idea of just um, having long-term relationships with patients and being able to spend time with them. And um, one of the things I really want to do is um, do some life coach training because I I think that's probably just my natural personality. Well, you're that to a lot of people already, yes, (laughs) (laughs) including myself. But I love that part of it. I like, I'm like, oh, I hope they're not being offended that I'm like, okay, so where are you going to school? What are you doing with your life? I love it when you ask me all those questions. It it gets me focused and Uh, thinking in that direction. So I think I would love to be able to do more of that where you sit down with people for an extended time, whether it's a young girl or someone at a point of transition and say, okay, now, um, okay, the kids are in school now. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your health? Uh, How could we make things better? I try to incorporate little pieces of that, but in any given day, there's a lot of, uh, pulls on your time, you're running from a delivery and you're taking care of a lot of people. So someone gets that every day, but every single person probably doesn't get that. But it would be nice to have time to sit down with people and extend a time and and really map out, okay, let's make a health plan. Let's make a life plan. um, Let's identify what your goals are and get people thinking that way. Yeah. Well, you kind Mm -hmm. of already do that. Some days I do it better than others. Well, that's still the fact that you do it at all. And that's not what people technically are coming in for. You know what I mean? And I'm sure it does not go unnoticed. You know, I'm sure that's. 
why you're able to establish these. No, I mean, when I told her, I was like, I want to sell the scout guide. She was like, all right, let's think of people that we could contact. And I mean, it was great. It was, it was very helpful. Mm-hmm. That part of it is fun for me. And so not everyone needs or wants it. And obviously, um, but you kind of find who you belong with, with a doctor, if you're lucky. Yes. Right? Right. Um, your personalities have to match and I'm not the person for everyone, but um, it's, I like the long-term connections. I like knowing about your life, knowing about your children um, and sending you off to, you know, yeah. be happier and mm-hmm healthier you ready for our final question wait well what about oklahoma city oh yeah do you think your children will move back to oklahoma city i guess arjun's here right now right he is he he's is a first right? year medical he's a first student. Year med- you probably don't see him though you probably haven't mm-hmm. seen him since he's august studying a lot um <laughs> i hope so i i want my children to go away to learn um everything there is from the world to experience different things and I love when people come back, though. I would like them to be here if that's where they're meant to be and to be a part of their lives and to be a part of their children's lives. Um, but I think it's good for people to go out and experience other things and to get a different perspective uh, that can be near or far. It can be Dallas. It can be Australia. You know, yeah, whatever. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. You ready? Okay. So now that you've... You lived in Oklahoma City. You moved to Oklahoma City when I moved away, now that I think about it. Like right when I moved away. So you've been here a long time. Your best friend from Michigan comes to visit for the weekend. And you're going to take them to all your favorite spots. You pick them up at the airport. You have the whole day. There's no pandemic. (laughs) You can have your children with you, your husband with you. You can just be the two of you. Where do you take this person? What are you going to show them about Oklahoma City? I think in Oklahoma City, you should go to the museum and see the Chihuly exhibit. Um, I think everyone loves that exhibit. It's colorful and happy. I think you have lunch um, maybe on the rooftop of the Contemporary Arts Museum. Oh, I haven't oh. been there yet. It's awesome. I'm going on Saturday. Though. Okay. Um, I think you drive through Paseo and eat dessert at Pie Junkie. Oh. <laughs> and then you go exercise. Then yes. you go exercise. <laughs> um, but I think I would um, show them Paseo and 16th Street and all of those things because most of the people who come to visit me are family and they think of Oklahoma City the way it was 20 years ago and they haven't had a chance to see all the vibrancy all the new restaurants. Oklahoma City's becoming a cool place. Um, there are lots of f- fun opportunities for young people um, and good places to eat. Mm, I think that would be a good day. Where's Obviously your favorite eating. place to eat? Where do you and Sumi like to go go eat? Like if you're, because you're going to be empty nesters soon. And so you're yes. going to get to go out <laughs> more often. Uh. We eat, we love Metro. Mm-hmm. Um, we do too. We love it. We always take uh, guests to the ranch because steaks are so good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and people from other parts of the country don't get that. And we take that for granted, though. You can eat those lots of places here and get good steaks. I rarely but. have a steak outside Oklahoma City that I like. 
Rarely. Yes, that's us mm-hmm. too because we're so spoiled. We're so by spoiled how good and we don't are. even know it. Right. Yes. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. yeah. People people are amazed when they come here because they really don't get what we have and we take it for granted. Um, where else do we go? Mm, those are probably our two favorites. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Well, so where can people find your practice and you and how could they, if they want to come for a visit or get more information, where should they go? Well, the practice called Women's Preventive Health, and I'm Dr. Sumita Nanda, <laughs> and uh, you can Google us on the web, and uh, we're available for appointments. And At visits. Integris. At Integris. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so thank much, you Dr. So Nanda. Much. This is so fun. This was fun. I feel like we're, we really got like a special treat. Today. Yes. We got to ask all of our burning questions. Definitely. Thank Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at ActionCityOKC.com. Action City is produced by Blacken Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blacken Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.